This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think uh, we always try to have a good start. You know, you never want to start from behind. But, you know, with this extra days off, definitely have a little more energy, feel good. And, yeah, just ready to go. I think uh, I worked on my speed this summer a little bit. And, you know, obviously this year in circuit I had more uh, defensive work. So um, I was good, you know, playing PK or playing end of the game. I wasn't always doing it, but this year I was doing it pretty constantly. I don't know. They've had a strange start to the year, though. I think they were like 3-0, and and then they lost eight, and then they turned around and 1-7 in a row. That's uh, So it looks like we're catching them on their, on their good side. So always a big, strong team. The goalie's good. Goalie plays puck really well. They've got a core that's been together a ton, too. So we always have pretty good games against them. So this should be this will be another good test for us. It sounded like John Cooper maybe he's still recovering from Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, American Thanksgiving, right, partner? I don't know how much tryptophan was still in his system this morning. <laughs> there you go. He was rather short at the beginning of the press conference, and then he became a little bit more expansive. He te- he seemed to warm up to it. Do you think he was? He'll still be he'll that, be ready to go tonight. They were at Zach Bogosian's, right? They were they were all hanging out. Well, it is an interesting question on Black Friday. If you are an athlete and you're playing a game, do you have to monitor how much you eat the day before? I don't have the answer to that question. I don't think most athletes temper their Thanksgiving feasting. I think it depends on who you talk to. You're probably right. (laughs) You know, Zach. How many slices of pumpkin pie did you go for? Do you think Pat Maroon or Zach Bogosian's gonna maybe say, "Eh, you know, I better hold off on the dessert." Well, Bogosian, Bogosian was working off calories though, because he He was was. doing a lot of cooking. He was grilling. He was cooking. It sounded like a great time, and he's done that before, so that's pretty cool. And yeah, you know what? I feel like the day after Thanksgiving, and hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. You had a chance to be with loved ones, friends, Mm -hmm. family, and. Got a chance to decompress a bit, and uh, we welcome you to the show as the Lightning gets set to take on the Blues tonight. Start time a little bit after 8 o'clock, nationally televised game, so it's going to be a little bit of a late one. But I I always feel like that day after a holiday uh, or an extended time off, you don't know what to expect. And I I don't know what to expect tonight from both teams. Both teams, Dave, I, I think... You can look at the past, uh, maybe not necessarily how they've played up to this point, although I think it's been pretty good for both teams. I think John Cooper probably laid it out there a little bit with the Blues, maybe inconsistent is a good word to describe that. I think the Lightning's game is is trending in the right direction, but they're not a finished product. And I think these teams over the last four or five years have been certainly the Lightning, but I think you could put the Blues up there too as as being one of the best teams in the league. But how that translates to tonight coming off the holiday, and I wonder if it's more difficult for the the home team than it is the away team. Yeah, the away team, well, the away team can get a Thanksgiving meal. They can. But I'm not sure they're going up for like fourths, right? (laughs) Correct. As opposed to Shea Bogosian. I wonder about the teams that are playing in the afternoon. It's a busy slate of it is of games throughout the day in the NHL. I believe there are 14 games, so 28 teams are in action, and there are several afternoon games. Mm-hmm. So, like the Bruins play the Hurricanes. Bruins are trying to keep that long home winning streak alive, and you wonder if one o'clock faceoff. You wonder if the Hurricanes will have a little bit more spring in their step because they had. It's a good question. They had. 
a meal that was probably portion size wise comparable to what they are normally eating. Yeah, but how about you? I mean, did you have a a big meal? Are you feeling you know sleep good today? Yeah, no, I, I don't gorge. I think the older you get, you don't gorge yourself as much. At least that's you may how be I've... speaking for yourself there, my friend. <laughs> I, I could be. That's why yeah. maybe I'm in the minority there. I mean, I certainly had, you know, I get the one plate of everything for the most part, and then if I'm still hungry, like I'll, I'll pick and choose what I really wanted. So I, you know, got a little bit more turkey, yeah. and I think a little bit more stuffing, and you know, a little bit of pie. But it's not like like we had some friends over in addition to my family. Well, my one buddy, he had three huge helpings of, you know thanksgiving meal and uh he i don't think he could get off out of the couch <laughs> i had to like get him up but I, you know hockey players one they understand their bodies yeah. two they burn off so many calories that i don't know if it's going to be that much of a of a problem for them to get ready maybe it will and it, look if they come out sluggish meaning the lightning We'll probably use that as an excuse. but And the Lightning held an optional skate this morning, but most of the players were on yeah. the ice, and the Blues had a full skate. So I think that they yeah. understand, let's get let's get the, the legs pumping. How many, Thanksgivings, how many Thanksgivings, at least over the last five, ten years, have you had to have on the road? Uh, not an insignificant amount, because I feel yeah. like the Lightning play a lot of Black Friday games in Washington. We've been there yes. several times. Right. And that's a situation. Usually, you're finding a restaurant. You can get a Thanksgiving meal, or you can get something off the regular menu. Right. But they're not giving you like an unlimited buffet. No, right? no. But you found it to be okay, food wise, when yeah. you've been in that in that situation. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, well, they, they and, and I tell you what. I mean, it's been several years now, but there is very little to no cooking going out in the Michigan household for Thanksgiving. Very little. To, so you have yeah, everybody. But what it's do you not do? that we're going out. We we order the food oh, nice. from a, an establishment. From a We've tried yeah. different places. Okay. And and usually what you're doing is when I say no cooking, I'm talking about cooking kind of from scratch. So you gotcha. get the you get the the platters basically and you have to heat them up. Gotcha. And that really cuts down on the prep time and it cuts oh, down my on the gosh. cleanup time, which for sure. <laughs> look, I'm I'm all for that. And the food yeah. is good. So that's yeah. probably somewhat comparable to eating on the road. That's because probably, you're basically getting yeah. prepared food from a a restaurant. That's a smart way. I'm curious if anybody else does that at Bolts Radio. Well, I'll uh, tell you what, and yeah. I'm not saying this to, to give them a, a shameless do. plug. I thought the food was very good, but we went to Penne Rustica this year Ooh. in South Tampa. And we were just looking for a new place this year. They had a Thanksgiving special, so you can get X number of meals. You can get some add-ons. So we ordered. You had to pick it up on the Wednesday. And when I went in there, I've never been in that establishment before. And not not through any fault of their own. It's just not just really my it. neck of the woods. Yeah, it's it's yeah, down right. in McDill, south of Beta Bay. People in South Tampa know it and like it a lot. Yeah, right. I went in there. There must have been a line, Greg, 25 people deep for pe- people picking up their things. Doing what you meals, did. Doing, doing what, what I you did. did. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So that was definitely an indication that people like it. <laughs> I think some of those people are not first timers. Well, you know what? They're coming back. And they did a really good job on the assembly line of, of getting people in and out. Good. Understanding that the line was deep. So I don't think that, that we, the Michigan family, we are the only ones that no. do this. You know, and I'm wondering too if more of that. And look, I, I don't. I'm not going to ask you what it what it costs, but I'm wondering because of everything being a little bit more expensive now, in grocery stores. Yeah. I'm wondering if people were like, you know what, let's just 
have somebody else do it and you know if you're it paying saves for me the, the hassle i mean i yeah. think if you went out yeah. and bought all that stuff yourself at the grocery yeah. store it would be less but how much less i don't know yeah that's a good point i don't know yeah. it just it kind of saves you the hassle so good for you guys that's yeah. awesome and uh you know you you had a chance to stay with family and plenty of leftovers too good. so they'll good. be a little when i get done with the show i'll go home and have a little lunch why wouldn't you yeah a little lunch hopefully i'll i'll shake off any doldrums in, in time for the game tonight We'll ask Phil how uh, his he his used to do a, a huge Thanksgiving gathering. Did you go? And, and I never went. We always had other stuff going on, but he would do the fried turkeys, right? Ooh, where you those drop are them good. in the fryer. And there was mm-hmm. one year he did. I think it was in double digits. Mm-hmm. I think those days have passed. He's he's at the low. That's a lot of level. work. That is a lot of work. <laughs> I don't think he had work. to do it all. Yeah, he's not at the Bogosian level. No. Put it that way. I've got to think that's just fun for the guys, you know, just if you like that, have all the fit because they have all the kids are the same age. Most of them. You bring the kids over. The wives can get along. The the boys get out there and they they talk. They've got the football games going on. So I get that. That's probably a lot of fun. We'll talk to Chris Kerber about uh, the blues and what that was like uh, the last couple of days here on the road. And I'm curious how this game will play out. Not only partner, how. The Lightning will play in the Blues coming off of Thanksgiving. But, you know, these are two teams, I think, that have strung together some decent weeks here. And, you know, it's funny. When you take a look at Thanksgiving, a lot of a lot of NHL people will say, and we've talked about it on the show, where you are around this time is a pretty good indication of maybe where you'll end up or at least making the playoffs. A lot of people like to look at Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, and say, okay, this, this gives me a pretty good gauge of what type of team you have. Right. And if you look at both the Lightning and the Blues, I don't think anybody's concerned about them not making the playoffs, but the Lightning, the second wild card right now in the East, if technically you're looking at the points and what the Blues are maybe right on the outside looking in. So I, those are teams nobody is going to sit there and say, boy, I'm, I'm concerned about. But it is interesting to see how they stack up against one another. And I think for both teams, probably still trying to find that nice balance of players who have left and players who are replacing them. Barry Boulay uh, gets called up today, partner, because Pierre-Edouard Balmar is out with personal uh, reasons to, to deal with, and we'll see how that plays out. I almost forget Barry Boulay was on in the organization, I think, for a lot of people, because when you talk about younger players coming up, I feel like he's been in the organization now for quite some time, and he has, but you almost forget about him because he's been... Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's had a little bit of time in the NHL, but not a ton. He's had a great year so far this year. He has. He's leading the American Hockey League in assists and points. Yes. Which Syracuse has gotten hot. So Syracuse is winning. They didn't start the year hot. He's obviously benefiting from that. But good for him. I mean, he was one of the last guys basically cut. Yeah. But... I don't know. I, I think that neither you nor I, we were not shocked that he did not make the opening night roster. No. Based on this, the same kind of pickle that he is finding himself in, which is at the AHL level, he plays top six minutes. He's on the power play. He's getting a chance to use his skill. At the NHL level, he more often, more often than not, not entirely, but more often than not, He's been in a bottom six role, which is a completely different situation, and he hasn't been able to make as much of an impact. We'll see what happens this time around.
I think for Barry Boulay, and I think my book on him over the last year or two is such that it it fits a lot of players who are considered talented at the AHL level, but can't find a home in the top six at the NHL level. And it's mm. been with two organizations, briefly with Seattle, yeah, and of course with Tampa Bay. And you wonder if Barry Boulay is starting to get a little bit of a label of a guy who really does well at the AHL level, but at the NHL level, for whatever reason, it's not... It's not sticking. And I know for him, he's still a young player. I'm wondering for him if those questions would be answered if he was able to settle in to a role. Not necessarily the best serves him because, partner, I don't think he's going to be in a top six with the Lightning. No, he's he's going to have to answer that. Yeah, he's going to have to answer that question. Can you play in a bottom six role and and be effective? That's a great point. And, And to this point, he is not. In many ways, I think that's a harder transition for a player like him who dominates the AHL, and when I say dominate, puts up relatively uh, a lot of points and tries to transition that to the NHL level when there's no room. Now your game has to adjust. And so far, at least through 30-plus games at the NHL level, we have seen mixed results of him doing that. But I will say this, and I'm curious what you think in our audience at Bolts Radio. Ed Encina from the Tampa Bay Times had a chance to catch up with Rick Tockett from TNT, right? And he's doing the game. I think tonight or is doing studio work. Studio, yeah. So he had an opportunity to talk to Ed about the Lightning. And basically what I took from that interview was that talk it, it's really hard to maintain that high level of play. The Lightning have dealt with some changes. Nikita Kucherov is really good. John Cooper does a really good job of getting his team motivated. But he did talk about the bottom six and how that's an area that's been a real eye-opener for him in terms of how well the Lightning have done this year compared to the previous years. And he said, and it's I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think the quote's spot on, is that when you win championships, yes, you need your star players to be great. But let's face it, you need your bottom six. They win you championships. Hard to argue, considering the Lightning's success over the last three years, because much was made about the Lightning's third line and their fourth line to a smaller extent of how good they were changing the complexion of a game, let alone a series, and how often that was the deciding factor in the Lightning making their run through the playoffs. I get the sense, partner, not only do we at times have questions about what is their top six or bottom six going to look like, but for people who follow the game outside of the Lightning organization, that might be the more interesting question they are debating because, and bringing it back to Barry Boulay, if there is a time for somebody to crack the bottom six, Mm -hmm. now would be that time because it would appear that there are still maybe some questions about what exactly will they look like. Balsers bringing him over certainly was probably proof of that type of thinking, and certainly he acquitted himself okay, I think, through the first couple of games he's been in a Lightning uniform. But you get the sense if there's an opportunity for Barry Boulay to maybe stick with the big club in a bottom six role, maybe now is that opportunity and he needs to take advantage of that opportunity. By the way, Ross Colton is back in the lineup tonight. Yes. Kepke is not, though, and it sounds like Perbix is not yet ready to return. At least the reports are both are on IR, and the Lightning needed to put some guys on IR to create some some yes. space however you want to look at it they have guys hurt so they had to go on ir 
so you have to replace them. But in order to to summon anybody from the miners, you had to create room. You had to create a roster space. Mm-hmm. So, look, part of it is due to injuries. The Lightning have had injuries. Kepke's been out a couple of games, as has Perbix. Colton missed the last game. But I think both with the Balsers edition, where he was claimed on waivers, and now Barry Boulay, let's be honest, he's getting rewarded for his start. 20 assists and 24 points so far this year in 16 games with Syracuse. The Lightning are looking for, I think, a little bit more in the bottom six in terms of offensive production. I think that's fair to say, wouldn't you? At this I point, think it it's is. not a knock on the Lightning. Yeah. It's just, I think, where they are. So, Nemetsagov and Colton have been the most regular members of the quote unquote third line. Perry and Kepke have, have swapped. So, I think that that third line has not produced offensively. But I don't know that they have been burned defensively necessarily as much as the fourth line at the start of the year. So I'm going to actually take a look at the plus minus because that is it, it's not a be all end all, but it gives you a, a picture anyway. So actually, I stand a little bit corrected. New Mexico is minus seven. Colton is minus three. Ooh, right. Perry is minus four. Maroon is minus three, but Maroon just had has had a couple of productive games, I think. Belmar is minus four. So they're all kind of in the same boat. And if your bottom six are all minus, that means a couple of things. They're probably not scoring, and they're going to be playing less than the top six. But when they've been out there, they have been allowing goals. That is not sustainable. At the very least, if your bottom six isn't producing offense, you want to make sure that they're holding the opposition down. Right? Yeah. So I think think that the Lightning are looking for answers. But some of it is due to the fact that they have injuries, which which opens up some spots for them to explore and, and maybe try and figure out who might go where. I think that's fair because we've been talking about when Sorelli does come back. And, partner, don't you get the sense it sounds like he's pretty close? I mean... Whether it's going to be in the next couple of days, whether it's going to be in the next week or two, it sounds like Sorelli is getting there. Mm-hmm. Then you have to see what you have in him when he does come back. And hopefully he is the same two-way yeah. centerman that we've seen previously. And we're going to be seeing some roster moves. I mean, we've been talking about yeah. this for a little bit. I think the injuries the Lightning have had more recently has allowed them to to not yet make those decisions. But at some point, they are coming. Because the Lightning right now have nine defensemen. Yep. With Perbix on IR, it's eight. But they have nine, and nobody's really out long-term. Perbix skated today. That is one decision. And then the other decision is, when Sorelli returns, what are you going to do with your allotment of forwards? We're what's going to get some answers here, I would say, in the we next are. two to three weeks. What's interesting about the Perbix situation, partner, is that we have seen teams over the years. When it's a tough call, the guy that usually has options gets sent down. It, it, it does happen. I mean, we wouldn't be shocked. Maybe I would be a little bit. I don't know how you would be because I think Perbix has been not only a, 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 a nice spare piece on the back end, he's been more than that, right? He's been in the top six. So mm-hmm. I I would be shocked if he was put on waivers, not put on waivers, if he was sent down because he I doesn't would have be to too. clear. 
I would be shocked. So you then have to ask yourself the question out of the guys who are remaining, how many of them do they keep with the, the big club and who would that be? And what's interesting is that all of them have, to a degree, played okay. And also, some of them have just intriguing abilities that you're that you don't want to give up on. And you have to find, I think, that balance of trying to win now, but also at the same time, you know, in a guy like Kyle Foote's case, you know, do you feel like if you, you keep him around, he develops into the defenseman you thought he was going to be when you drafted him in the first round a couple of years back? So certainly they're, all, they're having those ongoing discussions. But getting back to Barry Boulay, partner, if there's ever a time, even if it's a short window, to show the lightning that it's finally clicking for you, and it doesn't matter what line you're on, you can provide something, now would be that time. Because I think the clock is ticking mm-hmm. with players coming back. And as we said before, you know, Barry Boulay and, you know, Anthony Sorelli, you would assume, when they do come in, they're going to be fixtures on that team. But then again, if Barry Boulay plays well, maybe there's a conversation there when we start talking about the fourth line. Do we have to make some tough decisions with regards to the lineup and we what we want it to look like? So I, I think a pretty big moment for Barry Boulay. I don't want to put a ton of pressure on him. He probably feels that already. But I would go into tonight understanding that what do I have to lose? Yeah. Why don't I go in and play as, as well as I can within my my ability, and maybe maybe I get another game. And then maybe I get another game after that. And then from there you see what happens. Well, that's all you can do, right? Yes. And I'm I'm still wavering between are the Lightning making these moves because they feel they need answers in the bottom six? Or are they making these moves in part because it's kind of born from necessity based on injuries that they have had? Now, I think Balsers became available, and they liked Balsers. And I think their their liking of him has proven to be well-founded, right? He's looked good yeah. since they've added him. He's got speed. He's got smarts. He showed really good finish. And the goalie scored against Boston. So that was a move that helped the organization. The Bari Boulay move is clearly tied to the fact that the Lightning are dealing with some injuries up front. But is there also a component there where they're looking they're looking for an answer? And maybe maybe this guy can help them provide at least part of that answer it's a good question because we we don't know i will say this i think the fact that i I think when they claim balsers off waivers that raised an eyebrow for me because everything that you had talked about is true and i still think there is something to be said for look we think perry and maroon and belmar are going to be fine but i don't think they feel particularly happy with the Nemestikovs and the Coltons and their production up to this point. And while Sorelli coming back is going to help in that, I do think getting a guy like Balsers, who has a lot of NHL experience and who's been somewhat productive and I think does a lot of the things they want a third or fourth liner to do, 
to me signaled that maybe they they are looking to upgrade collectively mm-hmm. in that bottom six more so than just you know filling filling a roster spot with a guy until somebody else gets back. I'm not saying that's what you were implying, but well, we'll see. I, I think we'll that see. the Lightning or anybody can look at their stats. And again, plus minus only tells you so much. Sometimes you get a plus that you have nothing to do with, and sometimes you take a minus and you had yeah. no impact on what happened on the play. But I think that if we just look at their roster, so Kudrov is minus one, point is minus two. They both took a hit in the Boston game. Right. But their plus minus is not as bad or severe, I guess, as the guys in the bottom six. Here here are the numbers. Perry, minus four. Maroon, minus three. Belmar, minus four. Kepke, minus four. Colton, minus three. Nemensikov, minus seven. Everybody, those are the worst minuses on the entire team, with the exception of Chernak, who is minus five. All the defensemen are, if they're minus, they have a lower minus than that. So you just look at that broad strokes, what does that tell you? They are not getting enough production from the bottom six, and the bottom six is not doing as, as good a job as the Lightning would like at keeping the puck out of their net when they are on the ice. That, again, we have to look game by game. I think the fourth line has done better in the second half of the season than in the first half of the season. Maybe the third line, the opposite is true. But we do have Chris Kerber here, so he graciously walked about, I don't know, 30 yards to to work off some of that turkey from last night. (laughs) He settled in next to me. I actually had sea bass last night at at Meat You could play then. How many of the Blues players – Loaded up on turkey, do you think? Uh, well, I don't know. I'd, I'd and say, do you think that matters? We were wondering if it affects actually, athletes. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't. Th- I think these guys are such. It, it affects us because we're such uh, non-athletic specimens. So anything <laughs> we put into our body, probably. But for them, these guys, they could eat, they could drink, they could do whatever. They're so well trained. But yeah, no, we went over to a meat market, had a great dinner. The sea bass was probably the second best sea bass I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I got a we got a restaurant Paul Mano's in St. Louis that I like. Paulie's sea bass is my favorite, but but the, it are was they actually excellent. catching sea bass somewhere near St. Louis? Does no, sea bass well, live in like a river? No, it's, the it's, Mississippi. It is, it is clearly <laughs> probably not as fresh, but yeah, the the muddy Mississippi sea bass is, is a little bit different. We call that catfish. Yes, <laughs> which can also be quite a delicacy if it's prepared just right. Have you ever seen? Uh, we're going to go way off the rails before we even started. We've already been off the rails. So. We, we've been uh, doing that for the, our existence here, Chris. Don't <laughs> yeah, worry about but, it. But that um, uh, people that you know that they that do the noodling to catch catfish. Have you seen that? Like this is the craziest thing in the world. Like they'll go into they'll go into ponds and they'll go into riverbeds, and they stick their arm, okay, into the hole where the catfish should be till the catfish bites them. Basically, halfway up their arm, they grab a hold of the insides of the catfish, and then pull it up, and they literally just catch it with their arm and bare hands. Which to me wow. has got like I don't know what you have to be like. What type of thinking is going on in your head where you're mm-hmm. going? This is a good idea for today, but they but they do that. It's they probably yeah. enjoy it. If if that's your profession, I think you would have to love that to make that your profession. To, to, yeah, yeah, you have to. I'd still rather catch him with a hook <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, than, 
Then have you imagine just in a muddy river, just sticking your arm in a hole and just hoping that it's a catfish that bites your arm? I have to stay off the rails here and share the story with with okay. you. Don't know this, Greg, but you're about to hear it. Yes, we had a rat in our garage, and it's Whoa. not Brad Marchand <laughs> <laughs> or Ken Lindsman or anybody right. else. That's who, how you keep I'm it hockey an actual, related. Hey, an actual rat. Yeah. So the rat, I saw the rat run into my garage. It was a rainy night. Came home, opened the garage door. I saw the thing run in. You know, like I hope it goes out. You open the garage door, but there's we have pets, so there's food in the garage, right? Yeah. A couple of holes we found in our big dog food bag. So my wife is freaking out, right? She's like, we have to figure this out. So we called the, the guy who treats our our yard for bugs, and he's like, get a rat trap. I'm like really, a rat trap? He's like, yeah, but get one that actually snaps on the rat. You don't want to like Ugh. have it find something yeah. poison and crawl off somewhere and yeah you don't need a expire. right so we ordered this we ordered this rat trap because on wednesday we saw another hole in the dog food bag so we're like oh, all right so the trap arrived yesterday morning for thanksgiving and i put peanut butter in it that's what this guy recommended and i said will the rat go for the peanut butter ahead of the dog food he said absolutely it'll go for the peanut butter I'm like all right so i set the <laughs> thing up put it down whatever, 9 o'clock in the morning. I walked back out at 9.10 because I had to do something in the garage and the trap was still up. Yep. At like noon, I walk out there. The trap is not where I left it. I'm like shocked. And then I look like five feet away. There it was. It caught the rat. Dead. Wow. Okay. It was it was a <laughs> trap that snaps on the rat. It snaps so, on the rat, So yes. we're not trying to like... There, like I don't believe like it was like I the probably catfish. Say this. Yeah, I, I probably <laughs> except say the rat this, didn't have any kind of protection. Yeah, I, I uh, and you didn't. There's eat no it. such thing as humanely catching a rat to let yeah, it go. And somewhere I felt else. badly. I it mean, honestly, I felt badly for the rat, but the rat would not have left the garage otherwise. So we had to do something, right? How bad did you mourn for the rat? I was just <laughs> shocked <laughs> that this thing worked in the span of a couple hours. That's that's impressive. Yeah. I, this yeah. is not really hockey Wait, talk. What did you do? What did you? Okay, here's the ultimate. Then what did you do with the dead rat? Put <laughs> well, it in the, bag the, trap, and in the garbage. No, the trap is disposable. So no. So oh, what I did is I swept one of those. the trap with the rat into the like oh, a, a a standing good, yeah. dustpan and dropped it right in the garbage. Gotcha. Incredible. So now, now the next most important thing is when it's garbage day. So like, is it one of those traps where it's going to hold? Well, we know garbage day is actually our garbage day is Thursday and Monday. So there's no garbage on Thanksgiving. So that yeah, that's okay. going to sit yeah. in the garbage can for a few days. Yeah. See, partner, I thought right. my question was what type of peanut butter. Did the rat. It was generic. Pe- I was not using not like, crunchy. I was not <laughs> using the organic, organic peanut butter. <laughs> the organic. <laughs> the rat. The rat did not care what kind of peanut butter, but it definitely preferred the peanut butter to the dog food, much to its uh, okay misfortune. Hey, listen, that's great. <laughs> I got home one night from a late road trip, <laughs> and there is. A, we were going to talk to you yeah, about the blues. We, we'll get to we, that. We, we, sorry, but we have I get home, more interesting. I get home one night from a late road trip, and there is a raccoon sitting underneath. Uh, the car in the driveway. I'm like, wow, that's a big raccoon. And, but as I kind of pull into the driveway, it, it's not going away. I'm like, well, that's a real stupid raccoon. Now, now you know, like, okay, well, the raccoon's got to be sick because <laughs> the fact that a raccoon doesn't scurry when it sees yeah. the lights, so you come out and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So the next morning, I'm like, I tell, I tell my daughters and my wife, I said, okay, nobody let the dog outside. I don't know where this raccoon is, uh, it, but it, 
it's got to be around here somewhere, and it's sick. You could tell it's sick because it's just not it's not being a raccoon, right? So sure enough, we look around, and and just around our deck on part of a retaining wall, this raccoon is is sitting there, and it and it's right at the base of a tree. So I'm like, okay, I tell the girls, you know, I get the girl, they get they get on the bus, everybody goes except my my one daughter's bus was coming a little, um, it was like a. 45 minutes later than the other two. She was at, uh, okay, so I call up one of my neighbors. Uh, that's a, He's an animal guy. He's, he traps beavers, does all this other stuff, right? And uh, I said, hey, we got to get rid of it. I got a sick raccoon here. We got to get rid of it. And I go, I don't think you bringing your gun down here and firing off a 12-gauge in the middle of this subdivision is going to be a good idea. And he goes, no. He goes, he goes, we'll come down. So he goes, you got a bat? I go, okay, yeah, I've got a bat. So I'm looking around. All the, I figure everything's good, no problem. He goes, you stand here and distract the raccoon. Oh, okay. So I'm standing in the driveway, <laughs> keeping the eyes of the raccoon on me. He sneaks around a tree with this aluminum baseball bat and whack right on the head. Okay. I'm like, this is good. No problem there. We, we do it. I look in the window. My daughter's looking out the window. She's like, what's dad doing on the driveway? And then she got on the bus. Well, then she sees us totally, you know, inhumanely whack a raccoon. <laughs> So we had a we had a family discussion about how I disposed of the raccoon. Well, you might say that it which, was humane. Oh, you, if this thing was rabbit, it, this was sick. Yeah, th- th- there was uh, something else was going to happen bad. So yeah, humane that way. But right. trying to look at your yeah, at the time, well, Gracie would have been like fourteen. Trying to explain to your fourteen-year-old daughter why you just beat a raccoon with a baseball bat. <laughs> <It was laughs> I I would have preferred a disposable trap. Well. Maybe we should move from rodents <laughs> from to hockey. hockey. From roadkill to Although hockey. Although it would have been yeah. appropriate if your neighbor would have used a hockey stick instead of a baseball bat. <laughs> I mean, the Florida Panthers. Remember? Oh, there we go. Scott Mellonby. Yeah. Oh, that's what you should have done. You just should have trapped it, saved it, and then, you know, t- taken it down to Miami with you. Well, I don't think Mellonby saved anything, though. No. Yeah, that was how that started, right? He, he killed one in the locker room. With a hockey stick. With a hockey with stick. With a hockey stick. Well, all right. Well, let's let's get to this weird year for the Blues who are one game over 500 and have gotten there in the most unusual way imaginable. In fact, it had never been done before. A team losing eight straight in regulation followed by a seven-game winning streak. What in the what in the heck has gone on this year? Probably, you know, a, a lot of I, – I think it's the team, the two teams that we're going to see tonight, I think, are, are dealing with a similar issue now. I think a lot of your, what, what Tampa's dealing with might deal with 71 playoff games and some fatigue – and then, and then, but there, there's really some new players that have come and trying to fill some roles. David Perron is is no longer with the team. You know, you, you sign Josh Levo. They sign uh, PTO with with Tyler Pitlick. You're replacing with those guys. Uh, there's just there's there's still a feeling out process. Now, now what's kind of crazy is we played 19 games. After 19 games last year, we were only two points better than we are right now, and that was a team that still had 109 points. So there's there's plenty of time there, uh, but. Just inconsistent, just not, not, not getting the full sixty minutes of really good play. And the, I guess what I go to on this, and and I, I don't know how this relates to the Lightning, maybe, and some of the inconsistent struggles you guys have, but I, I just I don't know what this what the Blues are yet. I don't know what the what they're. I don't know how to characterize them. I don't know what the personality of the team is, you know. And so like, and what, what I mean by that is. You know, some teams you're really you're really good defensively, you know, and that's going to be how you're going to have to win some games if the offense isn't going. Or maybe you're a really good offensive team, 
you know, and you're going to be in a bit of a track meet more times than not, but but you're going to score a lot of goals. Uh, aside from really, really good goaltending this year from Jordan Bennington, and I don't, don't look at his numbers because his numbers do not tell the story of how good he's been. Aside from that, I don't know what the personality of our team is yet, and I'm not sure that they know. So you're going into every game not exactly know what you're going to get. The confidence waned big time. And then they got it back. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond tonight after losing in Buffalo. Chris Gerber joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio with the Blues talking about this game today. Well, let's go there, Chris, because we have talked about the Lightning's bottom six. There's been some turnover in addition to the back end with Ryan McDonough and Jan Ruta leaving. But the bottom six, it feels like, for whatever reason, it's been a little more down than up. And the Lightning are doing some things perhaps to address that, although with Anthony Srelli potentially coming back sooner rather than later, that may help. But I'm wondering, for the Blues specifically, is there a couple of players, maybe a line that just hasn't gotten started that's allowing for maybe a bit more inconsistency than you would think? Well, because of the eight-game losing streak, we had a lot of different line combinations going on. And and I've seen Craig Berube this year probably change line combinations in a game more, it feels like at least, more than than we've seen in, in recent years. Ryan O'Reilly, without there not having David Perron after four years of Perron and Ryan O'Reilly, that that that's been big. I mean that that's been huge. I I, I like David Perron when 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 David Perron is on his game. I don't think there's a better player in the National Hockey League that wins the puck along the boards than he does. He's he's just that good. And I, I think they miss him on the ice and then in the room. Well, so Ryan O'Reilly's had to try and figure out a, a new playing partner. And as you know, in the NHL now, it's it's really not no longer about three-line combos. It really is pairs, right? And we see so many interchangeable uh, wingers to a pairing. So I think that's been a big thing. You've seen Robert Thomas now – take the majority of face-offs that Ron O'Reilly used to take. And I think that's the team trying to force the transition to Robert becoming your number one centerman and Ryan O'Reilly being a UFA at the end of this year. And so there's a lot of role changes that are actually happening that I just don't know everybody's completely comfortable with. And that being the – so I guess the, in, in that sense, that's going to lead to some inconsistencies and, until you get that figured out. We have heard this statement for years in the NHL. You have, too, about American Thanksgiving, which you just passed. Kind of the, the, the track of your team starts to get more set. And you just brought up that the Blues had over 100 points last year, yet their record at Thanksgiving was kind of middling. And you go back to the Cup year, and that certainly That's was a, yeah. a, a huge exception to that rule. Because you've lived through that to a lesser extent last year and certainly in 1819. Do you think that's hooey? Like do you do you not buy into this first quarter of the season kind of gets your team on the track that it's going to basically stay on. Like if you're if you're swimming upstream, you're going to still be swimming upstream for the final three quarters. Well, it's crazy that what, what is it something like 82 83% like like the the historical trends are simply that. They're historical trends. Does that mean that something can't change? No, I mean the, the Blues proved that in that eighteen nineteen season. That's unusual, though, you know. So I, I don't, 
I buy into it to some degree when it comes to this. I mean, I guess because it's a holiday for that nugget about, you know, uh, that's that's when it's sort of like flag day in baseball, really. Right. Right. It's so a quarter I, of the so way I guess through we, the season. I guess though. we could pick, yeah. you know, you could pick any random date for that matter. But um, what, what you do know is the start that the Blues have had have put them in a situation where every game feels even bigger now. So you they they win three in a row to start the year. They lose eight in a row. You're three and eight. Now you win seven in a row, okay, and then you lose to Buffalo. So they the Buffalo just beat the Blues in, the, in their game two nights ago. That, that can easily turn into a three-game losing streak playing the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers back-to-back here. I mean, those are two very difficult games. So all of a sudden – it could wane completely again, and you're one game under 500 coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday, and you realize how much harder it's going to be because you've got to get back into that mix. So all the Blues did was put themselves from last in the league into a wild card spot right now. And, yes, it's 20 games, but the difference is is if you start well, you allow yourself some leeway. They don't. They didn't allow. So they are going to be in quite a battle here for a while. Now the good news is the Central Division – which, believe it or not, I still believe is the toughest division in this league. Just and, and even though some of the, nobody's really just run away with it, kind of like New Jersey has in twenty games in their division. But like, there's there's just a nastiness level of these teams that make the Central Division when you play a heavy di- divisional schedule difficult. But yeah, I, no, I I think there's something to that when history tells you that teams in playoff spots come Thanksgiving. Make the playoffs, what, 83, 84% of the time? You know, so your odds are definitely better if you're higher up the standings is all that means. But you you have to play really good hockey for a long time, though, to really give yourself a cushion. Otherwise, you're going to be fighting in that in the wild card, Mm -hmm. out of the wild card scenario for a while. Chris Kerber joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. You mentioned the goaltending, Chris. It's been really good this year has there been any difference with regards to Biddington this year compared to maybe the last couple when it's been pretty good at least statistically speaking well Jordan didn't have a good year last year in the regular season but then he did uh he had a he turned it around come playoff time and if if Kadri doesn't injure Jordan Biddington there's a doggone good chance that the St. Louis Blues beat the Colorado Avalanche. If nothing else, I know that series is going to seven games, you know. And uh, they 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 gave Colorado the biggest fight out of, out of anybody, and it was because of Jordan Bennington. He he went on that great run in eighteen nineteen after he took over the net from Jake Allen. The next year, before the COVID pause, he had he had the Blues as the number one team in the Western Conference. Then it, the the bubble struggled. The whole team struggled in the the playoff bubble there. And then it, uh, it, it, he, he battled last year, but he's a very self-reflective individual, and I've, I haven't seen him as calm, collected, and a little bit of the Alfred E. Newman "What Me Worry," uh, <laughs> you know, approach to, uh, to, to this year. And, and again, I'm telling you, like during that eight-game losing streak, Bennington was really good, and you're going, how in the world do, you, how, how is your goaltending good if you're losing? eight games in a row. 
go back. We go back just about uh, two or three games. We played the Chicago Blackhawks, and I believe at that point in time, he had allowed like 30 goals had gone in on Jordan Bennington on the year. Three, maybe four. You'd have to be real nitpicky on the one, but three, maybe four, would you consider the bad goal category out of 30? And and so the, the Blues were giving up backdoor tapping, like, mm-hmm. like defensemen, like guys coming in and just all alone in front, like stuff that you're going, holy cow, you're hanging your goalie out to dry here. Jordan Bennington has just been, he's been good. And and the numbers don't tell the story of how good he's been. I guess what I'm wondering then, Chris, and, and the position of defense doesn't tell the whole story of team defense. Although I watched some of the goals that Buffalo scored the other night and like every time you turned around, Justin Falk was staring down the barrel of a two-on-one or a three-on-one, which means that yeah. somebody was getting caught. But with Bortuzzo coming back tonight, like your 6D certainly are, are fairly experienced and and most of them know the system really well. Why do you think that the Blues, who traditionally under Barubi have been very good defensively, team defense-wise, why has that part of the team's game become inconsistent this year? Uh, it's a and great, I'm looking at the, the D yeah, specifically. It's, it's a great question because you're right. When you've got Letty, Pareko, both are Stanley Cup champions. You've got Falk, who's been to a couple conference finals. Uh, you've got Krug, who's been to a Stanley Cup final. You've got Bortuzzo, who's won a Stanley Cup. Uh, it, it is a very good defensive core. I I don't have I don't have a real good reason for you as to why they've been given up the chances that they've been given up in front of their net. They haven't it's a good defensive core. It's not a large, you know, it's not a lot of height and length uh for the except for Pareko. Mikola is there too, but it's not it's not an overly nasty defensive core, and I still think you got to be nasty in the National Hockey League. But more importantly, it really has been the team defense. I, I think you've got guys like Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo still learning. Mm-hmm. You know how important it is. Thomas has been great on the faceoff dot. I mean, Cairo is minus 13 for a reason. It was worse than that for a little while. And, and look, I get it. You don't put a, a whole ton of stock in plus minus, you know, but when you're minus 15 after 10 games, yeah, you're on the ice for way too many goals. Right. So I actually think it's part of I'll go back to I'll go back to this. Again, the personality of the team, the first two years with Craig Berube, it was a get the puck in, grind it down low, hold on to the puck in the offensive zone, that style everybody wants to play. It's, it's transitioned now to more of that transition-type speed game with Cairo, with Thomas, with guys like that. And in doing so, you're, you're going to just naturally put more risk in your game because you're trying to make plays one-on-one. And I think that's causing a lot of turnovers at the blue lines. And that creates odd man rushes the other way. And so I think the lack of predictability for this team in the offensive zone has led to a lot more rushes and higher chances for the other team. Having said that, the crazy thing about that Buffalo game was the Blues end up getting slaughtered. I think they actually they came close to outchancing Buffalo in terms of grade A chances. Mm-hmm. And, and I talked to Craig Berube this morning. Cause we, just, we just didn't bury our chances. Craig Berube wasn't even talking about the defensive chances that they gave up because we didn't bury our chances to turn that game around. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, uh, Chris, you mentioned Jordan Cairo, and I think one of the more exciting players in the league today. What's it been like for him 
this year and you know that second year maybe where the expectations are a little higher after you come off a really good offensive season like he had the previous year what's it been like for him this year Jordan Kyrou's growth has been good I'd say in the last four games five games uh and, and what I mean by that is one teams are starting to key in on him because he's not surprising anybody anymore but his play away from the puck and his defensive play just isn't good enough. It wasn't good enough. And and there were a couple of huge plays by the um, by Nathan McKinnon in the second round of the playoffs last year where if Jordan didn't get to the wall fast enough to slow McKinnon down. And I really, okay, yes, I know I'm talking Nathan McKinnon here. Mm-hmm. But Jordan Cairo, his, he's, I mean, he won the fastest skater at the, at the All-Star game last year. He's got world-class speed. Okay, so it's how hard he's working to get back. I think he, he had a, a couple veterans had some conversations with him, and I'd say over the last five, six, seven games, Jordan's work ethic to get back harder and back check has been fantastic. And that turns around, and that helps your offensive game. We saw him in Buffalo steal a couple of pucks, you know, in the neutral zone that created offensive chances for the Blues. That wasn't there as much before. You know, when an offensive guy and a young guy like that, they, they don't drive, they don't get to the middle of the ice sometimes as much as they need to, or they do the flyby, you know, in, in the offensive zone, kind of look like you're about to check the guy, and then you peel off. Well, when you peel off rather than start and stop, you all of a sudden, and you don't finish that check, next thing you know, you're actually behind that defenseman chasing him up the ice. And I think in, over the last handful of games, his game has been better there. That's that's where Jordan Cairo's game has, has to get to where – his defensive play is actually helping his offense, and it's starting to come for him. Well, Chris, we'll let you uh, enjoy your afternoon in comfortably temperatured Tampa, if that's the right <laughs> way of putting it. You told me you went for a long walk yesterday. I'm not sure if that's in the cards. No, but... you know what? No, not after uh, not after a great dinner and some Thanksgiving drink. So uh, this will be a watch a soccer game this afternoon. Do my game notes and. Uh, with a late start, get a nap. Yeah, there you go. It's actually perfect time for well, St. Louis, though. Hunting. Yeah, well, hopefully no more. Yeah, how I'm do not you sure. know you only had one rat? We don't. I guess we're going to have to see. We bought two traps, though. Oh, and now go. I know that it works. And I have a full jar of peanut butter. So <laughs> in case you didn't leave any breadcrumbs, uh, Kevin Erlinson <laughs> will lead you out. So. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be the rat. Yeah, <laughs> well. Scurrying through the bowels of Amelie Arena. Uh, I won't be tasting any peanut butter coming from Dave <laughs> Michigan's. Uh, got rat poison in it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Chris. Always Thanks, great Chris. to see tonight. you, Dave. My, my pleasure, guys. All right, Chris Kerber joining us right there. Great stories. Yeah. Chris I and I go rats. back decades. We were in the ECHL together. We were in the AHL together, separate teams, of course. He got to the NHL, I want to say in 2000. He's from St. Louis, so that uh, that's, that's a really cool. great fit oh, for, yeah. for them and for him. And I came to the Lightning two years later, 02. How so. many guys do you think are doing play-by-play for their home team, like their hometown team? Play-by-play, play, I'm Chris. not sure. Like, I know, like, Andy Brickley, who does the Bruins, he's definitely Massachusetts-based. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I'm not sure. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Be Most people who've probably done the Leafs have come from or, or are yeah. near Toronto. Joe Bowen, I think, is from Toronto. I mean, he knows the Stamkos gotcha. family really well. but Beautiful. So, Good stuff all the way around. You can't Sounds pick like where the- you're going, though. You no, go where the jobs no. are. As That's you know you full well. 
as you as you know, and you take what you can get. If you uh, like that conversation, hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. It sounds like both teams partner still trying to find out that identity. Yeah, isn't I that think, interesting? I, and and look, without without knowing this for certain, I think the Lightning are still seeking some answers. I think their game has trended though, not like not like an escalator going uphill. I mean, there have been a right. few dips along the way. But I think they are trending in the right direction over the first 19 games. I'm not sure if you can say the same for the Blues based on their streakiness. It's been really hot or really cold, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think the Lightning's game looks better now, understanding that coming off a really tough period against Boston, which cost them at least a point, let's say. I think that their overall game, while far from where they want it to get eventually – is farther along than what we saw, say, in the first five to six games of the year. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I think a big reason for me, we talked about the goaltending for the most part being very consistent. I think their their star players up front have been able to overcome some challenges maybe in the bottom six. You know, Kucherov, Point, mm-hmm. Hagel, they've been able to to really munch some points, so to speak, the last yeah. couple of weeks. And I think, you know, Stamkos, Paul, Kalorn. Nick Paul, they've... so look, I mean, we spent some time talking about some players that maybe haven't produced as much or haven't been as effective at keeping the puck out as the Lightning would like. I mean, Nick Paul has eight goals. He's plus 11. Yeah, that's incredible. Brandon Hagel has 13 points in 19 games and is a plus player. And again, Take the plus minus with a grain of salt, folks. But if three guys are playing together for most of the year and all three of them are minus, then that does tell you that they've been on the ice as a group more for goals going in against them than they are scoring. And the opposite is also true. Is there a stat that's used more that is thought of less than plus minus? Well, what do you mean thought of less? I mean, I don't dismiss it. Yeah, but a lot of people do, right? Because they'll say, you know, you can't. Re- because every time you talk about plus minus, there's always that well, the next qualifier. Sense, because you take do. that, but take I it think, for what it is. Greg, look, I'll go on the record here. I think plus minus is a way more interesting and indicative stat than hits and giveaways well, and takeaways. I mean, yeah, do I they even track that? that? Uh, if they do, they that. might as well just crumple that up and throw it in the garbage. Yeah. So. I would agree with you, by the way. I think a I think lot of people, though, like, it. He was talking about Jordan Cairo. Yeah. He's minus 13 now. Like, you have to be really on the wrong end of a lot of goals to be, and he said, minus 15 recently. Right. Not even a quarter of the way through the year on a team that's basically around 500 to be minus 15. So sometimes, yes, the stat itself in a vacuum can only tell you so much but sometimes in the context of what is happening with with your team as a whole it can tell you something or like i said three guys playing together if they're all yeah high plus like the triplets kucherov tyler johnson and andre Pilat in 2014-15 like they had three of the top plus minus numbers in the league so that tells you how effective that line was but the other thing that that can be indicative too is do you have one guy who's really really outstanding not outstanding great but like notably different yeah than the rest of the team positively or negatively 
Mm-hmm. So let's say you have one guy who's minus 11 and everybody else on the team is basically like plus one to minus one. That tells you something, doesn't it? It does. No, I agree with you. I think it gives you a good base, and then that's where the analytics come in. And the opposite is probably... also true. Like Nick yeah. Paul at plus, what did I say he was, plus 11? 11, yeah. Like that is notable. The next closest guy on the Lightning, you have Kalorn and Perbix at plus seven. It's incredible. And nobody else is really in the ballpark. I don't mind the plus minus. I think some people do. Yeah. I just it, I find it it's I find there's a nice struggle there more than any statistic that is used in sports today. Well, because I, it know. is true that sometimes you can get a plus that you had nothing Correct. nothing to do with the goal right. being scored, and you can take a minus where you have nothing to do with the play either. For sure. It's interesting. Just because interesting there are five guys on the ice. That is true. And sometimes a goal happens because all five are involved positively or negatively, but sometimes it's one guy, you know, yeah. and yeah, the other right. four are either reaping the rewards or, or suffering the consequences. Yeah. Sometimes it's a, it's a bad point. goal on the goalie. The goalie doesn't get a minus. Let's let's hope there are no minuses for the Lightning. Tonight. Yeah, let's hope that. <laughs> As they take on the Blues. You know, the Blues have had the Lightning's number. I know the Lightning have won some games at home mm-hmm. from – the Blues over the years, they have struggled mightily in St. Louis and Bennington with we have the World Cup on, so I'll use World Cup soccer terminology. What is it called? A, a clean sheet? Is that what they call it? Clean I couldn't sheet? tell you. Yeah, Bennington you know has a clean that. sheet yeah. against the Lightning. Not every game, but he's 5-0 and in his career mm-hmm. with a shutout. So mm-hmm. they have yet to beat Jordan Bennington. Blues matchup have matched up. This year may be different. They have matched up well against the Lightning. And even last year, remember that game in St. Louis? The Lightning scored three quick goals. Chernak scored from center ice. Yeah. That this is going to be the year, and and they ended up losing. Mm -hmm. The Blues rallied. Good point. Hopefully, if the Lightning can get a point tonight, they'll be at playoff pace. If they can get a win, they'll be a point ahead of playoff pace because it'll be 20 games. So let's see if they can get to 24 or 25 at night's end. We'll talk about it for sure on Monday in this setting, noon to one. But I will see you in a few hours. See you in a few. Thanks, right, Greg. 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8 o'clock puck drops. And pregame skate show will begin at 7. I'll have the network pregame at 7.30. Thanks to all who listened today. We always appreciate you guys. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. And, uh, again, Chris Kerber, who joined us a little bit ago to talk about the Blues. Thanks to Steve Verstick. I'm Greg Linnell. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.